Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Cole. Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore, and as the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, I hope that you are reading my efforts in the Enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every week. And as always, my co-host is Mustang Hobby Guru, Mike Ray, who also happens to be the president of Moxham, which is the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. And thanks to Mike, and all of his efforts with the Mustang Stampede. Mike, we're going to take people today on an inside journey into that fantastic stampede that launched the 2024 Mustang. And we've got two special guests that are so close to the action that I know people are chomping at the bit to hear their story. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fun tonight. And great couple that I've known for many, many years and uh, so very well deserving to be on that main grand stage at the Stampede. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get the inside scoop from them tonight and share it with the world. Well, in case uh, we're not going to keep you waiting any longer, ladies and gentlemen, because in case you're not from this region of the United States and maybe you're not hanging around Southeast Michigan and know of many of the many clubs in this area, Steve and Angela Caesar are in the Mustang Club of Mid-Michigan, but we know them just from doing all the shows around this state and being active in Moxham and being down in Dearborn more often than they are at home. And of course, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Steve is a proud Mustang two owner and he has, in my opinion, one of the most pristine, wonderfully uh, delivered 1978 Mustang two King Cobras on the planet. Steve and Angie, Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank Hello. you. Well, you know, you guys, you were going to get in trouble once you got that phone call saying, hey, would you like to uh, be involved in the, the 24 Mustang Stampede? And somebody said, yes. Angie, was it you that twisted Steve's arm or Steve, did you say sure? <laughs> no, I, I said sure. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you check with Angie first? Not really. <laughs> that's Mike. That's why they're happily married. Angie, we're gonna have to have a talk, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, so lead us down this path. So, you guys, uh, you're known well within the area uh, for your second generation Mustang, and and Steve, I know you not just as a the, the guy that rescued my Mustang to restoration project by coming up with half of a car <laughs> to, <laughs> to save my uh, impossible project from. Uh, really going where Jenny, my wife Jenny belongs, it should be, is, is somewhere in a scrap heap somewhere. But uh, let's be honest, you you said something uh, in front of the world just a few weeks ago, and you admitted to everyone in the Mustang world that you have about 15 Mustang twos on top of that beautiful King Cobra that you drive and show everywhere. You don't really have 15 of them, do you, Steve? Yeah, we do. Angela, are you still considering <laughs> not calling a lawyer? <laughs> Well, John, they're they're everywhere. They're in the mother-in-law's uh, pole barn. They're in our pole barn. They're in the yard. They're in the garage. Uh, none of those ones are restored yet. No, the uh, King Cobra, and he's working on a Cobra too right now. John, I think we have to have a Mustang two scavenger hunt up there. Oh my gosh! Well, uh, I think we should have a museum. 
Yes, <laughs> found in their yeah. natural state. I love it. I love it. Um, well, because if anyone really has any concept of second generation ownership, there are no big catalogs like American Muscle if you own an SN95, or you can build a 1965 Mustang out of the catalog. Um, but you can't do anything with a Mustang, too. There's very scantily, very few parts that are reproduced. It's really guys like Steve are keeping the entire second generation collector car community alive. I know in my case, he certainly is with um, hanging on to these cars, because if you're going to restore one, you've got to have several because you can't get the parts any other way. So Steve, is that really kind of why you're doing it? Because you like the cars like I do, and you know that to do any, you've got to have them in your back pocket. Oh yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing is you got to have parts for these cars. It's, the parts well, are so hard to come by in, anyways. Well, yeah, but but Steve, you came across this King Cobra, and what made this car into your pet project and the one that you were going to fix up, restore, and drive? What was it about this beautiful white King um, that made you say, this is the one we're going to do, Angie, so stand back? <laughs> well, the white one, uh, when we got it out of California, was in relatively very nice condition, so. That was the obvious choice to restore that one first. And boy, you did it. How long did it take you guys? Uh, better part of 10 years. Mike, did you hear that? Better part of 10 years. 10 years, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time. That's for sure. Well, Angie, you should know my two project has been in three or four different restorers hands for way more than that, maybe 15. But that kind of got the, the ball rolling for you guys because, um, Mike, let's explain what happened with the 2024 Mustang Stampede reveal. Um, when Ford decided it was going to do this in downtown Detroit, the first thing they needed was people, stories, and cars. And where do you get those? Um, they call me, and I said, well, where do I get cars and people, stories? I call <laughs> Mike Ray. So <laughs> it's pretty simple. The phone call comes to me. And Mike, we got the first call was that we needed 30 cars for, uh, was it the plaza was the first request we got? Yep, that was it. And uh, yeah, so, and you know, they like a good mixture. So what do we do? There were six generations. So we were trying to get five of each generation to be represented. And, um, and it's all definitely, like I said, once again, it's who you know. And John, this will tie you in if there was an event like that, just with Club Connect, right? Well, yeah, if, if if all the clubs in the world were connected and everybody was in the registry, um, that would be the case. But in this case, Mike, Steve and Angie's uh, participation goes back um, well before this. I mean, they were I, when we they wanted a, a, a second gen Mustang at the PDC show, for example. And I happened to call um, Steve and Angie that, oh, yeah. And they drove all the way in from Timbuktu up, up on the thumb area. Well, really kind of in the Bay Area. Well, I don't know. It's in the center of the hand somewhere. <laughs> but they, yeah, yeah. you guys come down to Dearborn quite a bit. Angie, is it, you just have so many friends down here, or you know that Steve wants to make these long drives in a, in a second-generation Mustang and, and test your patience? Well, I have to go along to make sure he stays awake. <laughs> First thing, he's driving. Well, when I drive my second-gen, I'm not sure if the DuraSpark is going to keep sparking, so I my eyes are wide open. <laughs> you guys, I, I don't know, Mike. If you had a car as nice as Steve and Angie's, would you drive it as far as they do to shows? 
I'm I'm just really glad they do. Um, you know, there's so many people out there that you know make them into trailer queens and things like that, and it's not. They drive their car, which is absolutely awesome. And yeah, it's been at many many events, and a lot of them you might not even expect to see them at, but they drive far enough to get there. Right, and thankfully they do. Um, you know, we did the with your show, Mike, the Mustang Memory Show. Uh, now what eight years ago we did the first national Mustang Two reunion at Mustang Memories behind Ford World headquarters, of course. Uh, Steve and Angie, how many of the, what now, seven Mustang II reunions, how many have you guys been to? Uh, six of them. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, that you, So that made sense that you guys would want to be uh, participating in the, in the Mustang Stampede. But then, Steve, came the call that it wouldn't be just bringing your car. Um, the next call came. They wanted street art cars, and we started picking friends. Mike, remember we talked about uh, Ronnie Semler's um, new GT500? Yep. That and then um, oh, another Moxham member, uh, Debbie Skull's uh, Horse of Destiny car. And then they were looking for unique cars from one of every generation. Then Eric Palmer, who has the Tuskegee Airmen, the uh, Detroit Red Tail group, he has an S197. He, we thought, what a great story. And we got him involved. And then, of course, um, first gen, we chose Bradley Belcher, uh, who's got uh, one of the nicest 65 Mustangs you'll ever see. And a Gail Holderman best of show choice when we had at the yeah. but when, when it came to the second gen um we knew that Steve and Angie would answer the bell and so Steve how did you get that phone call explain to us how you got the invite and when did they tell you you would be up on stage with one of only six one of the six generational cars how did that all come to pass well I was at work and I was actually on break and my phone started ringing and it wasn't a number I recognized so i just dismissed it a few minutes later i got a text from the, the producer that wanted to, uh, wanted to call me <laughs> and he said hey uh, i heard you have a second gen but th did they actually tell you what you were going to be up against and what you were going to be doing at the press reveal not really at first uh, when, they, when they finally did give, give me a call it was more kind of explain what was going on and we were first contacted to go be one of the uh, Mustangs to go across, across country. Oh, okay. So, so that was the very first contact we had. Um, but uh, it's the end of summer. We used up our vacation on all the car shows. Uh, we just couldn't get away from work and no vacation time left to do the cross country, which we would have loved to do. So it was neat to be included in some part of the stampede. Well, that, that was an old other part. Um, uh, on top of all the other things that were going on, uh, there was two other stampedes, if you will. Uh, one was the cross-country trek that was being done from Seattle to Detroit and with one of each generation car, as well as, Mike, I understand, uh, one of the Ford engineers took vacation to drive the uh, camo car in that, in, all the way from the uh, LeMay Museum on Seattle all the way to the uh, reveal. And he drove the camel car as well as one of every generation. That was pretty special. And were you kind of surprised to see him pull up there in world headquarters, Mike? Yeah, um, that was really cool. And we did similar things like that with the 10 millionth during the 50th. A lot of those things like that, they make kind of cool stuff happen and give people actually lifetime memories that you're making on there. And um, people will never forget any of that. Like, hey, I was part of this. Or like the 10 millionth when we had the 10 million spelled out at Flat Rock Assembly Plant. Everybody knows, including myself, 
I can tell you exactly where my car was in that puzzle. <laughs> and, and and people will always look back on that and always have that memory forever. Well, that's a, definitely makes it special. And of course, um, the four did put out the call saying, okay, so once these guys come to get to Detroit, we're going to gather at Ford World Headquarters. And then they were hoping, Mike, for five, six, seven hundred cars. The last I heard, um, the gathering and the three lots at World Headquarters to drive downtown and to be part of the Mustang reveal was approaching 1,000 Mustangs. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Great, great turnout. And I think I said, I, I think after this post-COVID, people are excited. They want to get out. They want to show their cars. They want to be with the people again. And having a special event like this, pulling everybody together, I think you've seen now what a success it was and how true that statement is. Well, there were a couple of glitches along the way. You know, there was uh, one registration tent. They had to run all those people through there. A lot of people would rather kick tires and talk than to be in line. But uh, And then they got a cool flag and a, and a lanyard. But someone like Angie, who didn't get to drive in that, had to have be down there in the plaza waiting for the stampede to arrive. And then Steve, who had to have his King Cobra, not just on the plaza, but down into the, the load area, the stage area, uh, they didn't get that flag or the, you know, they, they didn't get a, did you guys get at least get a participant lanyard? Uh, no, they didn't give us anything. Um, we went finally and asked at the front gate and we end up getting one of the lanyards, but it did not say participant. Um, well, we're going to have to. John, I think we can make a couple calls on that. Um, we were told by the organizers that the, all the people that were had cars there would get all that. So uh, we can do a follow up with um, the Ford team to make sure you guys get some of that stuff. Yeah, there yeah, were well, a lot that, of. Yeah, Angie, what was it like? You were down there from what, seven in the morning waiting for that to arrive at what, five o'clock? Uh, we were there at eight, eight in the morning. Yeah, um, we had friends that were part of the 30 cars. So uh, we wanted to go down and visit with them and find parking because parking was uh, not very plentiful. Um, so we were there from eight in the morning and we did not leave until almost midnight before we got our car back from the staging area. So how, so Steve, you pulled in there. How did you get it from the plaza down two floors below in, onto the stage? How, how did, there's no ramp. How did you get it down there? They uh, put the cars on a flatbed record, okay, and then they back they backed us down until the uh, to the loading dock, and then unloaded us there. So you oh. were on a back of flatbed, and then had to back out onto the stage with your car. Yes. Wow. Oh wow. So did you have a rehearsal because you were pretty calm and collected when the whole world was watching, Steve? <laughs> no, we had a little run through around. I think it was around four o'clock or something like that. But other than that, we just kind of went through real quick and then did it. Um, I think it was around seven o'clock when we finally went through all the generations. Well, Mike, you have to admit, uh, we were there for the whole thing. And uh, we know that when we got there, what the world didn't get to see was that a representative from one of each of the six generations had an interview with their car down there and talked about their Mustang story, their generation. And that did, that was like the pre-reveal. And when it went live, um, they went into the, the other presentations they had with some, with some other people. And of course, some of the, uh, the, the higher name stars. But the, I think, Mike, just between me and the lamppost, my favorite part of the whole thing 
was that pre-reveal show with the six gens down there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was very shocked and didn't learn this until after the fact. I thought that was like a pregame, like you're watching NFL football, that that was all included in there as well. I thought people were able to watch that. And I found out um, after the fact from Autumn that, no, it wasn't. And I was thinking, well, somebody had to have filmed that or something. So I was looking on YouTube, and I have not found anything yet um, on that. And it's a shame because, like you said, that was the great stories um, that the whole world would want to see. So I, I don't know if Ford has content, John, that they just didn't go live with. Um, that's another thing. Maybe we can follow up with the, the comms team to see if they had anything like that, because that definitely should be shared with the world about the Mustang love and uh, especially for the people putting it on the main stage. Yeah, unfortunately, the rest of the world that saw a live stream didn't get to see uh, Steve Caesar stand up there and tell the world, right. you know, uh, and Steve, we were so proud. I mean, heck, so so Bradley goes on first with his 65. You know, we met Bradley at a Buffalo MCA show, and then he created the, the Millennial Mustang Registry. We'll have him on a, a podcast as well and really represented that first gen well and why he loved it so much. Then Steve's up there. And you saw that white King Cobra. Steve, you were not only on stage and on the cameras of that giant screen, uh, but gave a real good explanation of your car and why you liked them. The fact that your your love goes beyond just the one. Of course, it, they're like they're like potato chips. Second gen Mustangs, you can't just have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true, John. Very true. Yeah, but Steve, you didn't get a chance to. I know the interviewer, Mike, was he some guy? Uh, he was the drifter. Um, main announcer right that Vaughn Gittin Jr. knew is that right yeah yeah he's the main uh drift uh, announcer and he's also when Ford used to have SEMA Ford out front um he oh, was yeah. the main announcer for that as well so he's ripping off a bunch of questions and Steve's up there talking about him but Steve you really didn't tell him uh, the, the whole story of your uh, did he ask about the king how I mean how it came to be no not really they 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 had a script at first but when we showed up the day before they said they were hurting for time they were going to cut the script down, and uh, and then they just kind of did away with the script and kind of just, he just asked questions, um, <laughs> and we were told to keep it short, so Steve kept it short. <laughs> it, it was fantastic, and uh, I was just cheering, and I, you probably didn't hear me up there, Steve, but Angie was, I think you were whistling, weren't you, Angie, going, yes, yeah, Steve, yay! Yeah, I was videotaping. Oh, good for you. Uh, so, yeah, Mike, I think what we should do, uh, let's put a search out there for anybody that may have videotaped those first six pregame interviews, the uh, the pre-show, the pre-reveal. And I'd love to have that posted somewhere on YouTube to see that. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you, although Ford did a great job, they had many great guests, and they talked to, you know, all the all the players in the new car was out there, all the players that they wanted to talk to about the uh, the, the generational love of Mustang. I, I loved it all. But to me, for my money, the that first, that pre-reveal with the, the six owners of each generation was super special. And hopefully we'll be able to resurrect it somewhere and see it because Steve, you deserve credit. Now that's, is that your first time on national television? Yes. Well, there you go. Oh. Gonna... Well, I don't know about national, but <laughs> when he goes down to Woodward Dream Cruise, uh, we get on, on the local channels there usually. Yeah, you guys are always in the limelight. Yeah. You're, you're kind of like the Mike Ray of the Mustang Club of Mid Michigan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so but yeah, so, this was so this was global, not even national. I mean, this was global. It went everywhere, all the continents and everything was watched, tuned in to watch this. Yeah, and I think the beauty of this was the 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 cars that in the backdrop were all included. 
I have to ask you guys, did either one of you get to meet either Jim Farley or Bill Ford while you were down there on the floor? Uh, no, we didn't. I know the Prussia media came out there and, and it was just, and once the, um, the 2024 cars were put out there and dark horse got swarmed. Uh, but you, did you stay down there, Steve, or did you, did Angie, were you allowed down there or did you have to wait for him to come back up? Uh, we, we went down there when the crowd rushed down, you know, to swarm the vehicles. Uh, but then we left and went up, up top because we heard the, uh, must the Mustangs and the Stampede that came across country were out front. And of course, Steve wanted to talk to the Mustang too gentlemen both of them that had, had drove that vehicle um so i think if we would have stuck around further you know longer down there uh we might have been able to meet some of the other people um four four people but uh do you want to go up and uh meet these no two i mean it was a big sacrifice angie you spent all day down there waiting for the stampede so you didn't get to participate in that and then steve was down there all day with his car and then yeah the guy here's the odd thing the guy that had this 76 Cobra II. It was a V6 car that he drove all the way from Seattle. I met him at a show in Seattle. I think it was, Mike, wasn't there a show from the Northwest Roundup? Was it Bill Smallwood used to throw that show way out there? It's yeah, weird. I know it was the Northwest show for sure. Yeah, I met that guy at this uh, Northwest Roundup, and he was, and Steve, you'd appreciate this guy because he had a nice Mach 1. He had that Cobra, and boy, did he do a job on, uh, restoring his engine compartment. I told him that's when I had my silver King. And I said, I, I do like my car, but I don't open the hood because it's got an incontinence problem. And I'd have to wear a diaper, uh, put a diaper under the car. And he said, Oh no, you can, you can restore your engine compartment. And I became good friends. The guy's name was Bob McLaughlin. And to see him pull up in Detroit some, what, eight, nine years later in his car that I saw, it was just awesome. So us two guys do stick together, but Angie, to your point, you know, it's that's the part I think of that was cool about the Stampede that you guys were able to hook up with so many of the of the stars of the show, plus just the regular owners to see so many cars you may not have seen at like a Mustang Club of Mid Michigan or even a Moxham show. Did you get to meet some new friends? Um, yes, we met lots of people. Um, and like I said before, we had uh, several of our friends um, we've met over the years at um uh, car shows and stuff. They were part of the 30, 30 cars there. So we got to visit and enjoy everybody's company. And, and that's kind of what Mustang and Ford is, is, you know, you go to these shows and you make friendships and, you know, you look forward to, to meeting your friends again, when you uh, go to events, big events like this, or even regular car shows, uh, small ones. Well, absolutely. Mike, you know, that was the thing we got calls even that day, uh, there uh, there were uh, events happening after that. Mike, you had your club going to the Haldeman Barn, but they had something at Taggarty had a coffee and community show, I believe. It did, or was that the Detroit Concourse that you were trying to get card? Weren't you no, asking? that so yeah, Haggerty was sponsoring it, but it was uh, out in front of Comerica Park, oh, yeah. uh, which was the wrap up of all the events. And yeah, we I think we had twenty nine of our Mustangs there uh, that day because that was another one they wanted thirty four. So we I think twenty nine actually showed up. And we're parked in front of Comerica Park and uh, on display all day. Well, it wasn't couldn't have been Steve and Angie because if you guys didn't get out of Hart Plaza in downtown Detroit until around midnight, you 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 guys had to try to get to your hotel by what one in the morning. Yeah, we we walked in the door and the uh, lady at the front desk said, "Boy, you guys look tired." 
<laughs> you told them not only was our car part of the reveal at Ford downtown Detroit of the North American International Auto Show, but my husband was in it. And then you gave him a big kiss. That's what I heard. Oh, is that so? <laughs> you know, guys, though, too, um, like John was saying, the Jamita guys, don't feel bad because I've personally never met Bill Ford myself yet in person. No one seems to believe that, but that's a true story. But, you know, that stampede and uh, being tied in with the auto show, I think, was a nice thing. Uh, me and John got to spend some time and we walked from Kobo to the stampede with how Tang. So, um, you know, that just doesn't happen. And it, it was kind of cool that, you know, a lot of the players were there and were open to, to share and talk to the, the, the owners. And because as you guys know, this is what keeps the, the brand alive, the, the name played alive. And it, it's all because of people like you guys. It really is. Thank you, uh, Steve and Angie. You know, my boss was up there, Jim Owens. Uh, who is the Mustang and Shelby marketing manager at Ford, um, a longtime champion of all the club work Ford does. And he, uh, he was just so thrilled with the participation level. You know, having you guys there, Bradley, uh, Eric Palmer with his S197. Of course, the other three, I don't know if you guys know this, all three of those people had worked for me at one time or another. Marcus Ventus with his S95 had worked with me. And then uh, Autumn uh, Schwalbe with her Fox. Autumn worked, um, I think, the Woodward Dream Cruise with us one year, Mike. Remember when we did parking up where, uh, where the Broncos were? And then, of course, the Joanna Reed with her race S550 race car. What a representative group of the hobby as we know it today. And it wouldn't have been cool if any of those generations were missed. Um, and, and Steve, I know up in the plaza, there, I think there was another King or Dave Posky. There was a couple of other twos at, in, in the plaza. Did you get the chance to see them? Yes. Uh, Matt Pop had his black King Cobra there. Oh, that's and right. then a friend of mine from Ohio had his uh, uh, Cobra 2 there. Uh, so Dave, we, uh, Dave Kosky. Yeah, yeah, Dave Kosky. Yeah. yeah. So we and were, John, I got those leads to contact them through Stephen Angie. See, that's what makes it happen. So, so Ford calls me. I call Mike. Mike calls you. You call your friends. <laughs> yep. It's like that shampoo commercial from the 70s that no one will remember but us. <laughs> that's right. See, then you that and so on and so on and so on. And that's how this all came together. So even though, ladies and gentlemen, you may have watched the reveal on TV, you didn't get to see the pre-reveal show. We're going to try to rectify that if we can. Uh, but this is how the stampede worked. Um, it was phone calls and relationships and um, and then all the people that decided to register to be part of it uh, and, and go to world headquarters and be in line and be part of this procession. Of course, um, uh, President Biden decided to show up right around the same time the stampede was arriving. A lot of streets were closed and that caused an absolute nightmare of traffic problems. But the patience and um, just the dedication to being a part of this uh, was outstanding. I, I know I feel bad, Angie. I mean, you were there all day and you and Steve had to just wait for everybody to come there. And then Steve had his moment in the sun and it was a long, hard grind day. And I feel bad that you weren't uh, celebrated more, but do you think that that effort that you put there was worth it just to be part of this thing? Oh yes. Yes. Uh, you can, I'd like to give a shout out to the production company. The, they had a couple of security companies there. Um, just sweet people. So very helpful. Um, would sit and chit chat with you. So that helped pass the day. 
um, just an overall great experience. Um, and I've sat through many a show, John, <laughs> around all day, get up at 4 a.m. to be at a show or in line at 5 a.m., you know, so oh, uh, I've got lots of experience. You know, John, I got to say, um, the Caesars, just from knowing them, God, how long have I known you guys? At least 10 to 15 years, probably. And I cannot, I, I cannot, like, to describe it to the world who is just listening in right now, they are the perfect couple in the hobby. Um, they represent the brand. They represent the hobby. Everything, like, they can do is perfect. So they are, like, the ideal members of a, a car club that you could ever possibly imagine. And uh, I just want to tell you guys how much I value your friendship. Well, we value yours and John's also. You're just great, great people. And, and that's, like I said earlier, that's how you, you make friends with great people because of Mustang, because of Ford. Well, it, it's been, Angie, now you're still on the board of directors with your club. Are you still the treasurer up there? Yes. Yes, oh, I am. Well, that that's, tells you right there, Mike. They're not just armchair members and that, that like to go to shows. They get involved with the club. They help out the club. Uh, they're, and, you know, what, Mike, when you're not there, and I see Angie, she'll come up to me and say, she'll show me a 164th Bronco. Just yeah. like, she'll say, do you think Mike Ray has this one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, all the stuff I get is from Angie. I absolutely love it. And I treasure <laughs> it and will never, ever, ever get rid of any of it. And John, I'll tell you, uh, so Mustang Club of Mid-Michigan, um, they are our brother, sister club, whatever you want to call it, with Moxham. And I don't know if there's another club that we are as close with as we are with uh, mid-Michigan. And uh, what a great group, great club, very well run, very well organized, amazing people, and always willing to help each other, um, you know, us with them and them with us. And uh, like we mentioned, I think, before with clubs is that, you know, when our big show comes back, and uh, hopefully it'll be back this year for Ford World Headquarters, we have a lot of the mid-Michigan guys come down and help us and join our judging team. And we used to kind of do that for their team as well to, uh, you know, judge their members' cars so that there's no favoritism or anything showing like that. So, you know, it's just, we go back and forth, and I, I really feel like we are tied at the hip, and uh, I couldn't be more proud of that. Yeah, that, that Angie and, and Steve, that goes to your group. Uh, I know you love those guys up there, and oh yeah, you, you do a lot with them. But um, I think what we're trying to tell the rest of the world listening in tonight is that if you're in a state that has a couple of clubs that are close by, it's, it shouldn't be a competition. It, it should be a brotherhood and a sisterhood that where you help each other out. Um, because the inside story of the 2024 Mustang reveal was about this brotherhood and sisterhood. It's about the communication between clubs and members and, and people that come to mind and people that you can count on to spend all day down there when you really needed them to be part of it. And, you know, Mike, think of this. Angie was down there one all day with no Hot Wheels vendors down there. <laughs> I know. It's sad. <laughs> all I can say is my collection uh, takes up less room than Steve's collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's not fair. <laughs> well, Steve's collection is going to help my, my car someday, Steve, if we ever get that thing rolling. But I just wanted to tell you guys that um, seeing you in the pre-reveal and, and sharing your story about, you know, uh, what was going on behind the scenes, because everybody just saw the, the big show and all the lights and the cheering and the new cars. But it was a long, hard day. It was it was showing the world our Mustang love and and God knows if there's one generation that needs to get out there and, and, and show and, uh, and tell a little bit about the story about the second gen, it's, it's our Mustang 2 fans. So, Steve, bless your soul for that. 
and thank you for participating in what I think is like once in a lifetime event. Yeah, oh, yeah, I do too. Well, you guys are sure the stars of the show, and I, you know, I, I know it was a hard work, but we expect to see you on the road after this uh, this winter comes and we get back out on the road again. Um, and we're going to keep sharing your fun stories whenever we can here on the Mustang Owners Podcast. I want to thank you for your time tonight, Steve. Uh, you're, I'm, I'm still able to call you and ask you questions whenever they come up about my project. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And I'm available. You know, I heard Angie wouldn't mind if I actually tapped into some of your extra parts. <laughs> I, got, I got plenty. He's got lots of parts, John. That's another story. No, it, well, there's one question. And then, Angie, since you are the ultimate a one sixty fourth Bronco collector. Are you considering to join Boxum? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Angie, that Mike started. And if if the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan wasn't bad enough to keep him busy, he started the Bronco Owners Club of Southeastern Boxum. And Mike, you've got over a hundred members. Over a thousand members already. Oh, oh zero <laughs> on it. We are over a thousand members already. Yes, <laughs> and you know it's funny because. There's a lot of crossover from Boxum to Boxum, so uh, which is really really cool. And actually, Ford has already noticed that. Uh, Mark Wilson asked me how many members converted already over because they have uh, Broncos as their everyday drivers. And I said it's growing by the day. And Sam Mara, who uh, if you guys know who was on our board, he was our treasurer for many years and ran our gate at Mustang Memories every year. He just picked his up this week and he just made a big post about that. Bill Barnes, who used to run my membership, has one. Multiple guys have crossed over and still own their Mustangs, but now they're getting Broncos as well. So they're cross members in both uh, groups. And my right-hand man, Craig Zygmunt, his uh, wife's Bronco is due to go in production next week. So he'll have one as well. Well, I all I can say about that is hopefully when we see the Caesars at a regional show or even the next Mustang 2 reunion, we'll, even if Angie pulls up in a new Bronco, we want Steve to pull up in his 1978 Mustang 2 King Cobra you're still going to keep driving it, right, Steve? No matter what hey, Bronco might come in. Oh, here hey, Angie, I know a guy who can sell you one. <laughs> <laughs> she, she needs one. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, my new nickname in the dealership is Bronco King. I don't know if you've seen that or not. <laughs> yes. but, um, I've seen that yeah. the last few days. Well, you, you That's guys my just, new name. So there you go. Just resist the temptation and keep bringing your second gen Mustang. And again, thank you for from Ford Motor Company and uh, for making the pre reveal so cool and being such a major part of the 2024 Mustang reveal in downtown Detroit this past summer. It was great having you guys, and thanks for being our guest tonight on the podcast. Oh, not a problem, John. Thank you. Okay. And Mike, uh, you know, I know every time you got to reach into your magic bag of tricks and you need something to do with the second gen, do you have the Caesars on speed dial? Absolutely. Like I said, they're one of my uh, cl closest friends in this uh, hobby, and uh, I'm so very grateful for it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the story that tells you uh, how this all works. It's all a relationship business, and the Mustang community is always one to step up and make our hobby more wonderful than you can ever imagine, even when you see it live streamed all across the world. Hope you enjoyed our story with uh, the Caesars tonight. And so until next time, we'll catch you down the road. 